This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Creature Comforts. It's the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield's out, uh, was going to try to reach us by Skype. She hasn't as yet, but hopefully she'll join us uh, before the program is over. But today we do have one of our favorite bird watchers, Steve Peterson. He's back on the program, and he's going to talk about his work with eagles, the health of the eagle population in the state, and some of the best places to see them here in Mississippi this time of year. Dr. Major is always ready to take your pet questions, and we like to hear your encounters with nature. Join our conversation this morning. Call us at one eight seven seven. MPB Ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can email animals at mpbonline.org. If you happen to miss Creature Comforts on Thursday, it repeats every Saturday morning at six. So good morning, uh, Dr. Major. How are you doing this morning? Good morning. Doing good. Everything's uh, warm, but uh, we're all good. Uh, yesterday on Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart, uh, there was a call about dealing with a wasp sting around the eyes. Uh, after the uh, question, uh, Dr. Jimmy made an interesting comment. So I am a long way from my biology degree, uh, but the Hymenoptera is the order, not the genera. So the that includes bees, wasps, and ants. And they're all a little bit different. But most people don't realize that more people die in the United States of uh, wasp, bees, or ant uh, hypersensitivity reactions than anything else, any other envenomation. So if we think about those snakes, um, less people die of that uh, than uh, they do with bees and wasps. And adults can have, uh, typically we think of children having allergic reactions, but adults actually have more severe allergic reactions to those just because you've had, um, you know, a previous venomation from one of those stinging insects, you, you, it doesn't necessarily mean the next time that you're not going to have one. So you need to be, be careful about that. Certainly anything that's local, local meaning wherever you get stung, if it should swell up a little bit, just as the way that venomation works, the way the venom works, and the way your body tries to ward that off, try to contain it. Um, but uh, the ones that cause more systemic reactions, in other words, if it stings you on your hand, but now your whole arm is swollen, or if you have trouble breathing or swallowing, that's the point to really get to a professional. You need to go straight to the ER, and you don't need to try to tough those things out. That's how people die of those. But you want to be careful, and if you do have one of those... So that was uh, on yesterday's uh, Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart. So, Dr. Major, Dr. Jimmy mentioned uh, allergies, I think, in that clip. Uh, But when we talk about our pets, first of all, do they suffer a lot from bee stings and ant bites and that sort of thing? And... Are allergies to those stings something we be, we should be concerned about in our pets as well? Certainly, and it can be uh, a wide variety of symptoms. Usually, usually with a dog, what happens? They stick their nose uh, down on a, a bee or a wasp or a nest, and they get stung, and it can cause some pretty severe reactions. Uh, so you do need to be careful. If you start to see swelling, uh, especially around the eyes and muzzle, uh, you need to get the dog in for uh, a veterinarian to look at, especially if you're having any type of breathing problems. 
as an aside, uh, about 10 days ago, I was moving a gate and uh, I was stung five times by the big old red wolves. And of course, it was around noon, so it was pretty hot. Uh, and, you know, you know, I did not go to the ER or anything like that, but it, they can be very, uh, very difficult. Uh, some localized swelling, but that was pretty much it. And, of course, Benadryl, uh, if you have it available, certainly it's not going to hurt to uh, use that, and dogs can take Benadryl as well. Uh, cats are usually a little bit more, what should I say, cautious. Uh, they like to play with uh, a bee or a wasp or something like that, but rarely do I see cats getting stung. They're pretty smart. <laughs> So I, I know that when we've talked about snake bites, a lot of times with dogs, you'll say it's usually on the muzzle because they, you know, they're kind of uh, inquisitive and, and kind of trying to figure out what's going on. I guess that would be the same uh, with with uh, with insects. True, and of course with snakes, we've talked about the two places that are the most dangerous. Number one would be around the muzzle or even the tongue sometimes, and actually the foot or leg because that can be very difficult if if it should become. Uh, if the venom should become necrotoxic and start to slough or cause uh, damage to muscle and to skin. Uh, in my experience, the uh, wasp or bee stings have not been that, uh, what should I say, I hate to say dangerous, but not as severe as some of the snake bites. And, of course, a lot of the snake bites are transitory, if you will, and a lot of it depends on how much venom uh, that particular snake might have. Um, I think Libby has joined us. And Libby, we're talking about uh, bees and wasps and ants. And uh, we played a clip from Southern Remedy uh, yesterday where our host, Dr. Jimmy Stewart, mentioned that uh, more people die from wasp and bee stings and ant stings than from other venomous creatures like snakes. Do you have any tips for how we can avoid these uh, stinging insects in the summertime? Well, I think maybe an important first step, and it's the same thing we talk about with snakes, even though they're not very dangerous, not nearly as dangerous and not really very dangerous to people ever, but um, is to learn more about them, learn to identify which ones can hurt you and which ones can't. Most wasps don't hurt people at all. Most wasps are good for you know, good for our yards, good for our gardens, those kinds of things, but the ones that are the ones that can really hurt us are colonial wasps and bees that have, they kind of have a stake in the game. They've got a nest, they've got a hive, and they are um, very, very, um, you know, everything in their being is made to protect that nest or hive. They're, they're great community members if you're in their community, but we're outside their community. <laughs> And their instinct is to get us away from them. Uh, sometimes batting at them, screaming at them, you know, when people kind of uh, get overly excited and go nuts about them can be worse. Uh, backing up and getting away quick is the thing to do. But swatting at anything that's coming around your face um, is, I guess it's a natural instinct because I know I do it sometimes too. But I've read that that's really the worst thing you can do because then it's like you're you're showing aggression to them in their eyes. 
so it's it makes them more likely to want to get you but so the important part is to get away instead of waving your hands at them or you know which i know is hard to do because that's the instinct uh and i know i've had bad experiences with um red wasps like tori was talking about they really hurt wasps hurt worse than bees uh bees have a more complicated kind of um venom so they are actually the one that you're more likely to have one of those super bad anaphylactic shock reactions to and luckily bees have they have a great reason of course not to sting you because any bee that stings you dies when it puts its stinger in you and you know that stinger can stay there and you you're you're supposed to wipe that out i think they I'm, I'm not sure if they said that on Southern Remedy or not, but an important first thing is to wipe it out, like with a, a fingernail if you have to. A credit card is ideal, just to wipe it down so that you're sure it comes out, because there's a little venom sac attached to the stinger, and you want to get that sac off without squeezing it. Again, if you put your hand on it and smash that little sac that's attached to the stinger, you're going to put a whole lot more venom into your hand. So once you've already been stung or into wherever it's stinging you into your body. So, um, you know, don't push on it or rub on it. Look at it, see the stinger and get it out. But of course, after you've gotten out of the territory of the wasp, so you don't get additional stings. Now, a, a bee is the one that can leave the stinger in you. A wasp does not leave the stinger in you. A wasp can sting you multiple times, which is the worst part about a wasp, I guess, when you're once you've gotten stung, you need to get away from it as quickly as you can so that it doesn't sting you again. Its friends can sting you and it can sting you again. The bees are going to die each time they sting you and they're, they're only going to be able to sting you once if they, they leave that stinger there. So um, beehives, you can usually identify, you hear them, you see them, stay away from them. Don't try to rob a wild beehive of the honey because that's, that is, you know, that's telling them sting you, sting you right away. But um, with wasps, the important part is getting away. Hmm. If you want to come back and kill a wasp nest later, knock it down, stomp on it. A lot of people even do that. But all of that needs to be done after dark so that the wasps are in there and um, not flying around guarding at night. Does um, that help at all? Yes, yes. And, uh, yeah. And there are lots of little kinds of of hymenoptera, like the ignumate wasps. They, they're not going to sting you. Most wasps are not going to sting you. So learning to tell the difference. Those big red wasps in my mind, that's always what I look out for when I see them. And they, they love to get in the ends of my clothesline. I'm looking out there right now. And um, every time I find them in the coastline, that's one of the places in our yard. I will fess up, I guess. That's one of the places we do use poison. I have a, a can of that wasp and bee spray, and I will spray it in the ends of um, my uh, clothesline in a minute if I see red wasps going in there. But, again, you've either got to do that with great care when they very first go in there. But if, if there's a big hive in there, I'm not going to go spray that at that point. I'm going to go in just after dark and spray them. So be, be careful when you fight back because 
they've got, you know, they've got weapons to fight back to. So I think the bottom line when it comes to insect stings in both humans and our pets, uh, if there is a, a reaction to try to get to your vet or to the hospital uh, quickly uh, to avoid uh, any kind of serious uh, issues. It's time for our first break of the hour. When we get back, we'll bring our guest Steve Peterson into discussion. We're going to be talking about eagles this morning. Dr. Major will be uh, will remain on hand, ready for pet questions. So call with questions and comments at one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. Got a couple of callers holding. We'll get to that after this break. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. We're back on Creature Comforts. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, Libby Hartfield, and our guest for the hour is birdwatcher Steve Peterson. We're talking about the eagles of our state, where to find them, what they're doing this time of year. Uh, and uh, other wildlife observations. We, you can join our conversation with your phone call. The number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can email animals at mpbonline dot org. Before we get into eagles, we've got a couple more flying insect callers to get to. So we'll start with uh, I think it's Pauline in Covington, Louisiana. Good morning. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Yeah, I wanted to give you uh, a quick remedy for bee or wasp sting. Okay. Um, almost equal parts of baking soda and vinegar, and dab it on the sting, and it takes the sting right away. All right, very good. So baking soda and vinegar uh, to uh-huh. ease the sting of a of a bee or a wasp sting. A sting. So, all right, great. Thanks for the tip. And thanks for the call. Let's uh, move on next. We've got our friend Mike in Hernando. Mike, what do you have for us today? Good morning, you, you guys. Four nights ago, or four uh, evenings ago, I walked my, my front porch to go to the mailbox and was instantly stung behind my left ear. I didn't realize there was a wasp nest up above the door. Um, and, you know, you feel it as like a pinprick, but then over the next four days, it swells up something fierce. And I heard you say that more people die of insect stings and bites than anything else. I mean, is that, was it that dangerous? Because I got to thinking, good grief, this thing's getting bigger and it won't go away. So I, I, what, is there a certain wasp that's extremely dangerous? Uh, Libby mentioned the big red wasps, um, and the the clip we pl- played yesterday. I, I think Dr. Jimmy was uh, pointing out the the fact that um, humans that are allergic to the the insect stings are are really the ones that are in in trouble. And was his his point too was also that if if you have an adverse reaction to you know to seek uh, help as soon as you can uh, because it's uh, with a, with a, a allergic reaction like that it can get to be very serious if you if you don't get treatment for it so um, ah okay well I, I got stung as a child by yellow jackets and uh, I didn't go to the hospital but it felt like I'd been hit with a ball bat. They are there. I, I got stung by a wasp once. He got inside my shirt, so I got stung a couple of times in the back of the neck. It's it's not a fun experience, that's for sure. Kevin, yeah. Uh, one of the things I reached for at first would be Benadryl. Okay. Uh, certainly, that seems to help in my case. And uh, the other thing, old-fashioned remedy. Someone just called with the uh, uh, an old-fashioned remedy. I guess you would say old-fashioned, but 
a lot of times from people out working in the fields, a lot of people would be chewing tobacco or have cigarette, and you could actually make a poultice with that and put over, and it does seem to help. So maybe that's an old wife's tale or a husband's tale, whoever. <laughs> but uh, it, yeah, it, it, I, it does I've help. A, I've got a friend who's a Native American, and she I called her. She said, just put mud on it. Hmm. So I don't know if that's you know a remedy or what, but it helped a little bit. Okay. Anything, anything to ease the sting. Go ahead, Libby. Yeah, just what I've found is pretty much anything that's cool and sometimes anything that's acidic kind of helps. And I do Zyrtec, Troy, like you do Benadryl, because I always have that around. And that will, it seems like it lessens the swelling if I go ahead and take a Zyrtec. All right. Uh, I, I one time did have anaphylactic shock, and I had to go to the hospital, and that was from multiple bee stings years ago. And the breathing thing, my eyes swole pretty much shut. I couldn't see, and um, my throat started swelling. So, you know, we ran to the hospital, and I got um, epinephrine shots. And for a while, I kept an EpiPen with me, and then, um, you know, years later, I've I got stung a couple of times and used an EpiPen, and then I got stung once and I had no reaction, so I just quit using the EpiPen. And I, I've, I swell kind of bad, but not terribly bad. Yeah. But that, when you get any kind of feeling at all that your um, throat or you're having any difficulty breathing, get to the doctor or call the ambulance. Yes, and again, that was one of the things Dr. Jimmy was emphasizing, was if you're having that adverse kind of reaction, try to get to uh, seek medical attention as soon as possible. So our guest for this morning on Creature Comforts, one of our favorite bird watchers, Steve Peterson. Welcome back to the program, Steve. Before we talk about eagles, uh, what are some of the other birds that you've been seeing in Mississippi this time of year? Well, uh, I've been mostly watching things locally, and like in LaFleur's Bluff Park, which is an absolute gem of a place to bird. Things like uh, barred owls, my favorite, and uh, there are, and then wading birds such as great egrets and great blue herons and uh, white ibis coming in to roost at night from all, probably all around the local area. Uh, I mean, sometimes in the summer we have like 200 great egrets. Hmm. In one roost that's, you know, not as big as the parking lot out here. Uh, it's, it's a really fantastic place. It, not just to go see birds, but to see anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's kind of what I've been doing. But, you know, is, since our subject is eagles, we get eagles there. And, uh, and so if somebody asks, well, where where do you go to see eagles? And I I could say, considering where I'm sitting right now, go across the street. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about the status of the bald eagle in Mississippi, the population. Uh well, it's uh it's good. I mean, it's in, they're increasing. Uh, you know, uh, speaking of of Lafleur's Bluff, when it used to be that when you saw an eagle, you wrote down all the details because it was a rarity. Now you just write down whether it's an adult or an immature, and nobody questions you about it because they're they're that they're that uh, do it they're doing that well. In fact, I think they've been taken off some of the federal lists because of that. 
uh, they they are definitely a success story. They're not they're not up to their historic numbers, but they're getting there. I think I read recently something like 150,000 eagles in the U.S. bald eagles in the United States uh, now, and uh, whereas it used to be several times that number, but uh, due to mainly uh, banning of DDT and of course. Uh, them being protected under federal law. But I, they've been pretty much delisted from being endangered now, which is which is great, mm-hmm. for, especially for our natural symbol, our national symbol, excuse me. Yeah, you know, they're no longer listed as endangered, but they are protected. There was also a, remember that Bald Eagle Act? So yeah. they're protected. They're, they have heavy federal protection, they, but that, yeah, uh, it's, they're not considered endangered anymore. But I think um, the last time Nick talked to us, remember that, Steve? He, he said we, it, it would be easy to estimate that Mississippi probably has as, much as, a, as many as 100 nests now. That's, yeah, that's where uh, they, they, this, those numbers seem to be climbing. I, I Looked over an article yesterday that said 77, and then there was another that said 100, and, and those articles were in chronological order. So th- that is, I mean, and we've had local nests, local to Jackson, and then there's several nests. The first, I remember in the old days, uh, a nest all on uh, off of Interstate 10 down on the coast that you could drive yeah, across market. a bridge. Yeah. Pardon? Wool market. Yeah. yeah. Wool market coast, we always, uh, wool market nest, we always called it. Yeah, yeah. And you could see that one. And then, of course, we've had some, uh, we've had nests up on the, on the reservoir and one that got really publicized at Lake Caroline. Uh, and, uh, there are probably a bunch that we don't we haven't even seen yet which is probably the way the eagles like it i think oh yes they definitely <laughs> don't like to be disturbed we're going to be visiting uh, with steve throughout the hour got a couple callers on the line so why don't we begin again on the phone lines with lee calling in from hernando good morning lee you're on the air with us uh yes sir go ahead oh i have a question heart guard plus is a preventative if you can give dogs a heartworm but i was reading that it's not hundred percent effective. What does the vet recommend that's a hundred percent effective? Okay, great question. And it depends a lot of times on the actual. Um, so we're going to have. Uh, I think we're going to probably have called Doctor Major back. Have a little bit of a trouble uh, with the line. So, uh, Lee, if we will, we'll uh, when we get Doctor Major back in, if we can, we'll we'll try to give you some more information on your question. Uh, thanks for giving us a call. Uh, let's uh, stay on the phone lines next. Let's go to Hancock County, and Joe is on the line. Good morning, Joe. What do you have for us? Good morning. Good morning. Um, I've been a forester, a forester down here in Hancock County for over 40 years, and people would always ask me, are you afraid of snakes? I said, no, snakes are the most I'm afraid of are yellow jackets in, in the woods. There. That was, that's the meanest animal in the woods. But, um, <laughs> and, and one time... This was 20 years ago. I was taking a drink out of a soft drink can and swallowed a yellow jacket. Oh, gosh. And it stung me, it sw- it stung me around my Adam's apple. I didn't suffer any, any ill effects, but it, it, it did hurt. <laughs> but uh, uh, going, talking about the animals, my dog, my um, 
my Jack Russell Terrier, Spike, he got stung twice on on his pad there by, you know what a velvet ant is or a cow killer? Um, mm-hmm. They're wasps without wings. He got stung twice, and after that, when he saw one, he would run for the front door. He knew what they looked like, and he would not hang around. <laughs> it's a, so, sm- a smart dog, that's for sure. <laughs> That's all I've got. All right, Joe. Thanks for the call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It's time for another break. When we get back, we'll continue visiting with our guest, Steve Peterson, about the eagles and other birds in the state. If you have some bird observations, especially eagles or other birds of prey, we'd like to hear from you this morning. Also, we'll try to get Dr. Major back on the line if you have a pet question. So give us a call if you'd like to join our conversation at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 877 672-7464. You can email animals at mpbonline.org. Back with more after this. Fix It 101 is a fun podcast with lots of home improvement information. Even if that's not your bag, all of the episodes are archived online. So if the mood strikes you or if the need motivates you, you can search your project. And yes, there is a Fix It 101 podcast for that. Kevin Farrell here on Creature Comforts with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Today on the show, our guest is one of our favorite bird watchers, Steve Peterson. Uh, We've been talking about eagles here in Mississippi. Uh, If you want to join our conversation, we've got some open phone lines. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. You can email animals at mpbonline.org. Got Dr. Major back on the line, and Dr. Major Lee from Hernando had called in asking, I think, about heartworm control for dogs, looking for something that's 100% effective, and I think you were saying that there's probably not something that's 100% effective. What more do you have for us? One of the problems, of course, if you're starting a dog on heartworm preventive, realize that it takes six months for uh, the heartworm to reach the heart, in other words, to be mature. So if you started a dog and had not tested it, uh, you wouldn't know whether it had heartworms or not. If you started it and it had not been on preventive, it could still develop heartworms because they were developing before you started the preventive. The preventive is only effective at certain stages. We must, on the monthly heartworm preventive, give it the same time every month. You miss two weeks, you may have a skip or a break in the heartworm uh, medication. In research, they say that most of the heartworms that develop where have been on preventive, there is a break somewhere in that, uh, what shall I say, procedure. Mm-hmm. We use a lot of the injectable heartworm medication. Uh, there's a six-month or a 12-month, and it seems that that is very effective and should be given, in other words, every six months or every 12 months. And we have seen very little uh, problems with that. But to say that anything's 100% effective, that's the closest that I can say what we get. All right, good. We've uh, got another caller on the line, so let's say good morning to Fletch, who's calling in from the road. Good morning, Fletch. You're on the air with us. Good morning. I had a general question, but then specifically with your guest, uh, I've got a second one. Um, what can you say about the Eagles? on Highway 49 between Belzona and Yazoo City as far as how long have they been there? Is it three of them, uh, two adults and a juvenile, before my general question? Uh, well, uh, two adults and, a, and, a, and uh, a juvenile would be the most likely. 
I personally don't know of how long they how long they've been there. Uh, one of the, we mentioned that eagles don't like much disturbance, and so they're better off when the nest is not known. So it just happens that. Uh, 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 fortunately for us and unfortunately for them, they're easy to recognize. So uh, uh, people will will uh, find out about them and, and uh, let, let other people know about them. But I, I'm not sure of the exact history of, of that nest up there. Uh, but, yeah, they would – you frequently don't have – uh, survival in the nest of small eaglets, but once they fledge, they do pretty well, and sometimes they stick around with the adults. There are cases of an immature being a nest helper with the adults, uh, and and of course, uh, it takes almost five years for them to get their adult plumage. That is the white head and the white tail. Uh, so, it, you know, it could be just a case, as I said, of, of the uh, young bird being a helper or just sticking around. Or it could be, yep. you know, the, the uh, hatching or whatever uh, 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 or fledging just wasn't successful that year. Okay. Uh, my general question initially was uh, my wife saw what sounded like a, uh, a great blue heron uh successfully get a fish and then swallow it and she was uh, kind of amazed at the process and I was curious how many birds or do all birds have a crawl and how do they go about inserting uh, well, getting rid of the stones oh the uh, well the uh, uh, great blues and other egrets like a great egret are just going they're going to swallow that fish hole. They'll flip it around so that the spines of the fins won't get caught in the throat and uh, then they'll just swallow it down whole. I'm, I think, I'm pretty sure they do have a crop, but they're not, that's going to, I don't think that's going to matter much as far as they're going to get it down to that stomach pretty quickly. I did watch uh, uh, last year a great egret, which is the same size as your great blue, uh, it had speared a sunfish a brim, a pretty pretty sizable one, and it took it about 20 minutes to get it down because it was kind of stuck. But it, I stayed there until till it finished, and uh, he did get it swallowed. Does that does that answer your question? Well, that's that's certainly great specific for the blue heron. But just curious, like chickens, don't they uh, pick up pebbles and stones to to help digest? Uh yeah they yes they do uh and and uh but I am I don't know the specifics on on the herons whether or not they get digested uh by stomach acid etc you know uh I I I'm more I'm more knowledgeable about predators like owls and they sure, sure. they uh they just swallow it, and then the next day, the undigested stuff in an owl will be regurgitated as a pellet, uh, like bones and feathers and such like that, which which is real helpful if you're trying to figure out what to eat. All right, Deb Fletch, thanks for Good calling in this morning. Uh, let's stay on the phone lines. I think uh, Gerald from Past Christian might have a, a golden or a, a, an eagle sighting for us. Go ahead, Gerald. You're on the air with us. 
Thank you. Uh, we've had a nest in our community for seven or eight years. We've watched um, sometimes one uh, uh, little one come out, sometimes two. And we see them at the beach hunting or catching fish, flying back over the house to uh, feed their little one. And after Zeta, their nest is really torn up, but they uh, we're patient enough to have it to build it back. Uh, we also had a uh, visit from Jack E. Davis, who wrote the book The Bald Eagle, The Importable Journey of the American Bird, and that is a book worth reading about bald eagles. Uh, yeah, you brought up the nest. Uh, the the bald eagle nest is the biggest nest built by birds in North America. I think there's one in, and, and sometimes they get occupied for years and years. Uh, I think there was one in in Florida that was something like six feet wide hmm. in a tree, and uh, and I think if I remember correctly. 20 feet deep wow just you know built 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 uh, after after year after year and so on uh but so they're pretty if you notice them it's pretty obvious what it is uh and then of course uh most people know to look for that white head mm-hmm. that's generally what what uh you diagnose an eagle with is is it Oh, there's an eagle. There's a bald eagle. Well, you see the white head. All right, We're very protective of that nest, and uh, we make sure people don't harass it. Yeah, yeah. They 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 don't need to be. The nest doesn't need to be publicized that much. It doesn't right. need to be a, a a media feature. I mean, it's a good idea to let uh, folks at the Museum of Natural Science know about it, so they can keep an idea. You know, they have an idea about. It where it is and can kind of keep an eye on it and uh but public publicity is 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 not necessarily needed at all got it all right uh, gerald well, thank thanks for the call good to hear from you and and thanks for uh, keeping the location of that nest a secret uh so uh, before we go to the next call you said six feet long by 20 feet deep why do they need such a big nest? i mean that seems like a small house almost oh uh, <clears throat> You know, I really don't know why they need such a big one, but they're big birds. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got – you're talking probably the southern bald eagle is probably going to weigh maybe a female who's the bigger one is going to weigh something like maybe seven pounds. Uh, up in – you, the further north you get, the bigger individual animals get. And I think there are some Alaskan eagles that have – weighed like 15 pounds wow. and of course they have the the huge wingspan uh at like six to eight feet depending mm-hmm. on depending on the individual bird so that may have something to do with it uh, then again the every year they'll add to the nest and that is probably uh some instinctive behavior which they've just got to go go out and grab some big sticks and stick them on into the nest, and uh, it's uh, and and just and won't stop until they're something tells them that they're they've done enough for the day. Well, and I think uh, most of us, when we go home, would like some room to spread our wings. Yes. Uh, no pun intended. <laughs> 
Let's uh, go back to the phone sign. I think Nick from Clay County has an eagle question. Nick, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. Oh, thank you. I have a, a question and a comment. My question is, I, I live off of a lake that's about 25 feet, excuse me, 25 acres, and uh, it's rather oblong. And on one end of the lake is a, is a large eagle's nest, and on the other end of the lake is uh, an ice cream nest. And the uh, my question is, you're talking about they don't like to be discovered, but they are very entertaining birds. Uh, they they meet in the middle of the lake and they fight and carry on. And it seems that the that the osprey is the dominant bird over the eagle, and the the osprey will steal six out of the eagle's nest, and the eagle goes over and steals out of the osprey but the osprey is just a, a very dominant bird over the eagle and i'm just wondering if the uh if the osprey the eagle off the south eagle nested there for three years and they finally left and the osprey has not they have lived there and are doing well but other my comment was that i have noticed if you can't tell uh, uh, eagle, especially a young eagle from other type birds. A eagle has great wings across, and a and a buzzard and other birds have somewhat of a dihedral in their wing when when they are uh, flying. And I'd like to uh, just make, have you comment on where where the isolation eagle. Well, you you know, you're taking me back to when I was a kid and first learning about birds because one of the things that I first learned about with eagles was that they they and ospreys don't get along. Eagles will steal in, in a minute. Uh they they uh will go after every everything. Anything they can when they see food, they'll try and run the the uh original predator off if they can. As to individual, uh, the the individual temperament of the birds, I th- it seems to me as though the osprey, your osprey, just uh, was bigger, was had an attitude where he just wasn't going to give up, and uh, the eagle was, uh, shall we say, less aggressive. Uh, as to why they would leave a nest, there are a lot of factors. Uh, they, they just may it there, they there may be just too hard to uh, keep bringing food in for young. There may be other other factors that would would uh, deal with that. Could be one of them had died and the other went looking for uh, another mate. But uh, yeah, I've I've. Uh, the the first thing I ever learned about about bald eagles was they steal stuff from ospreys, and uh, uh, as to uh, your second question, the second thing I learned about eagles was that the well, bald eagles was that yes they do the the vo- turkey vultures will fly with their wings sl- tilted slightly upwards at dihedral, and that eagles have a straight uh, wing it's just you know straight out side to side and that's one of the things you could look for uh, 
Also, one thing that I, at least for me, is that an eagle just looks big. They're big birds, and and they're uh, kind of pretty pretty heavy birds, and uh, so they. And they're going, and the last one I saw was a young one, and it came over at treetop level. And it it just seemed to be like a bomber coming (laughs) in for a landing. Uh, So so with that straight straight out wing silhouette and, and the size, that's just one of the things that says eagles to me. All right, Nick, thanks for your call. Good to hear from you. It is time for our last break of the hour. We've been visiting this hour with Steve Peterson about the Eagles of Mississippi. Dr. Mater still on hand, ready for a pet question. Still time for you to join our conversation with your phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can email animals at mpbonline.org. Back to wrap up the program after this. Dr. Jimmy Stewart. On the original Southern Remedy, the doctor is always in and ready to take your questions about health care. To subscribe, search for Southern Remedy on any podcasting app. You can email a question to remedy at mpbonline.org. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, Libby Hartfield, and our guest for this hour is bird watcher Steve Peterson. Um, we have an email here for Dr. Major, and it says there are a couple of products available that are touted to neutralize a dog's urine so that it doesn't kill or discolor grass in the lawn. One is a chewable treat. Another is a rock that's placed in the dog's water dish, which somehow affects the water. Uh, are any of these products safe? And secondly, do they work? Dr. Major, any uh, experience with uh, this product? No, I don't. And uh, I guess some of the listeners may have. Most of the time, uh, the urine, especially in bigger dogs, can damage grass. It's usually an acid-type urine, uh, which you can see where they go, and it can literally burn and kill the grass, uh, even down to the roots, especially if they go in the same place all the time. Water, uh, certainly you could uh, hose down the area that they uh, are urinating in, but as far as these products, I'm not sure about the safety or any of experience with using them. All right. Uh, we've got one final call to get to this hour, and we talk to Rachel from Eupora. Good morning, Rachel. You're on the air with us. Good morning. Um, so I want to know if I'm correct in believing that uh, eagles do not have a white head until they are about seven years old. I heard this somewhere, and I want to know if that's right. Yeah, that's correct, uh, but it's usually about five years before they start getting. Uh, an immature bald eagle will be brown with a lot of white streaky feathers in its plumage. And then as it gets older, uh, it in like about five years, it'll have the white head and the white tail. Now, there are a few cases where not uh, eagles in not fully adult plumage have actually uh, nested and bred successfully, but that's generally yeah. You can you can have fun with people and tell them yep that eagle's not he's not five years old yet. Uh huh. And but yeah. Okay. That. Okay, Rachel. Thanks. Uh, always good to hear from you on the program. 
Uh, Steve, got a couple of minutes left. Um, what uh, what is the eagle, the bald eagle's primary diet consist of? Uh, the bald eagle is what's known as a sea eagle or a fish eagle. They their main their main preference is fish, and the only time I actually saw an eagle hunt successfully was up at the reservoir, and it grabbed a big catfish out of the. Uh, out of the water. They will, however, they're predators, and predators are opportunistic feeders, so they will eat just about anything they can get. Uh, they have even been known to scavenge whale carcasses hmm. uh, uh, where, where whales wash up uh, after death on a beach. Uh, they, uh, I'm sure everybody has seen footage of grizzly bears uh, getting salmon from a salmon run and there's always eagles around <laughs> uh, and then uh, and then of course as the uh, a previous caller mentioned about the eagles versus the ospreys they will chase ospreys they'll chase anything that they can get uh, a free meal from typically you know a predator basically has to be kind of a bully mm-hmm. you don't want to use up very much energy uh, when to get more energy and so if they can get a a a meal that way they'll they'll get it uh but there are all sorts i mean there are other birds things like uh loons uh and there's even there's even a case where a loon uh stabbed uh an eagle with its long pointed beak killed it Hmm. defending itself at a nest but they'll go after uh Things like gulls and uh, ducks, uh, and they'll go after some mammals like rabbits and and uh, maybe weak baby fawns. You know they've been uh, known to get after. Uh, but anything that's with a predator, anything that's easy to get is the, is what it's going to go after. And imagine that they've got some keen eyesight to be able to, as you were saying, where they swoop down and snatch something out of the water like that. Yeah, it, it, it's said that uh, some of the predatory birds could could uh, deter if you placed a cigarette pack at one end of a football field uh, and you had trained uh, a bird to uh, distinguish the brand, that it could tell it could tell the difference. It's just uh, you know they they have very very high resolution, and uh, uh, it, you know most birds do. The bird's primary uh, uh, sense is sight. Mm-hmm. Most of their head is taken up with the eyes. That is going to wrap us up for today. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio with funding provided by listeners. To hear today's show or previous show, you can visit Creature Comforts. .mpbonline.org. Our show is produced by Java Chapman, and our call screener today was our intern for the summer, Charles Arnold. For Libby Hartfield, Dr. Troy Major, and our guest Steve Peterson, I'm Kevin Farrell. Inviting you to stay tuned because up next at 10, it's AutoCorrect. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio. <laughs>